Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. If you're watching live, you see that I literally got to jump on Charlie right there. I saw that he was about to start talking, and so I, I started. We, all, we both know what part of the song we start talking in, and so I purposefully went just a couple seconds early today. Which is going to sound weird for all the people not listening to this live. Unless you do some good work in the editing process, no, we're doing it. Um, we we bounce this thing out live. We don't we don't ever cut anything unless no. we say something stupid at the end before I stop recording or or do something dumb beforehand. I don't know. But anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and across from me is the hostess with the mostess, Mister <laughs> Charles Chuck Thompson. How is your what day is it? Hump day going? Today? Listen, Nate. Have I told you lately? That I believe Epstein didn't kill himself. I just <laughs> no. That is a radical position that you were taking. You're starting off controversial just right off the bat. This is a controversial podcast. Yeah, it is. And for those who don't think so, it most certainly is. It's not for the faint of heart. It is. I mean, we came out swinging, being against death and all. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty crazy. If you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, you need to go back and listen to... Uh, me and some good friends of mine, basically me and myself, started a new group called um, Antida. Yeah. We're anti-death. Yeah. And no matter what we do, it doesn't matter because we're completely against death. In fact, maybe we shouldn't open up anything until we solve death. Death overall. In and of itself. I don't like... Did you hear that? I did. Wow. We got a storm going on out here. Yeah. It you guys... Actually- you guys didn't hear that, but There's there was some flash of crazy light, lightning. And then a click in my ears. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah. A little bit of a power surge. I'm going to okay. do this episode with my feet off the floor. <laughs> if you guys lose us, it's because the power went out. And uh, I don't really know if there's a tornado warning or anything like that. But they normally turn the sirens on a few minutes afterwards. So <laughs> we'll it, be fine. Uh, it should be fine. But anyway, we got a lot to talk about today. What you got to do first is subscribe to the podcast. 96% of the time, this podcast cures socialism every time. And that, that is what we found. And why wouldn't you follow or subscribe to a podcast that does that? We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, not about happiness, because that's just a feeling, an emotion that you feel every once in a while. And you don't want to be based on, uh, you don't want to be living your life based on what your emotional state is at the moment. You want to be based off of whether or not you're pursuing a life of meaning. That way you can make it through all the tough times. So that is what we work on every single day. Our meaning is talking about liberty, because we believe that the freest people that the freest people that you could possibly have, man, that that is the best society for the most amount of people. It is amazing if you look at what free market capitalism has done. And capitalism is so strong 
that it has even created amazing things throughout our period of semi-fascism that we've been living through for quite some time. That's how strong it is. I think but we should only, let it go. Not only that, it's actually a positive message because if you think about it this way, what we advocate for is is liberty for all people, which means that in every single individual has the capability to be successful, and we believe that. A lot of policies and a lot of government will tell you, oh, you can't get ahead. They'll they, literally tell you that. They'll literally tell yeah. you that. They're like, well, it's not fair. They'll tell you it's life's not fair. You can't get ahead because all of this happened to you and it's not fair. And the message that we talk about is despite the tragedies and the atrocities that have happened throughout life, you have the capabilities. And so it's an, it's a very positive, encouraging message. And I think that as long as we keep going in that direction, as long as we hone in on that messaging, that we have the moral high ground, that we are the positive message, that we are the encouraging message, and that we believe in all individuals, regardless of race or creed or sex or orientation or anything like that, every single individual should have the opportunity to succeed. And it's up to that individual to take the personal responsibility to find and adopt meaning in their life to forge on. Yeah. I, That's what I that's could, what makes I could me have said feel, it better myself. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't. <laughs> that's what makes me feel so good about this show every single day. And, and, that, and I feel like we're, you know, there are a lot of times we were talking last night with Lions of Liberty. By the way, that episode's coming out on Monday. Any of y'all that listen to Lions of Liberty, we uh, did the Nittany, what's the Nittany level lion show with them. And we were talking about healthcare and things like that. And I was like, yeah, some of this stuff you know, what's going to happen? Are we just going to devolve into a single payer system and it has to blow up or whatever? But then I was like, well, a lot of times I lose hope and faith as we read some of these articles and we read about the direction that this country is going. But then I just have that glimmer of hope when I'm reminded every single day when I when I come in here and, and talk to all of y'all, I'm reminded, well, I really have a conversation with all of y'all because everyone in the live group we're having conversations with. And so it's like, when I, I get encouraged because we see things like Walmart starting a health program where they're making healthcare affordable and cheap, cheap. They're really. even starting their own health insurance they're company. St starting their own health insurance company. Yeah. And, you know, talking to um, Mark last night from Lines of Liberty, I was like, this is actually, you know, as greedy and as bad as Walmart can be, What, whatever you want to say about them, they're the ones that actually have the money and the clout that could actually go after uh, or st at least stand up for themselves against other major insurance companies and healthcare players, because they're the ones that have billions of dollars and they can fight those battles. Whereas if, you know, you or I or someone else wanted to start a health insurance company or uh, a healthcare company right now, it'd be near impossible considering all the regulations and the paperwork and all the legal fees, unless you just inherited a couple billion dollars. And they, they could even afford to run their the health side of their business at a loss for a little while if they wanted to, right. which is kind of a Walmart model overall. It, it's similar and to- a team of lawyers know how to write that shit yeah, off. Because, because uh, you know, Walmart barely makes any profit, but also when I say barely, obviously the total number is a lot of money, but their profit margin is not very big. But health insurance companies are the same way. They're one of the lowest margin industries that are out there. And Walmart could actually afford to not make any money off their health insurance industry or their healthcare industry because they're selling so many goods and services to everyone. It reminds me of how, you know, gas stations 
they don't make any money off the gas. That's that's not what they make money off of. You'll see those little gas stations and the gas is a little bit more expensive. You know why? Because they don't have a convenience store where they're going to make money off of all kinds of stuff. So the, And they can't buy in such large quantities, things like that. But where gas stations make money is by selling you soda. Snacks. And, and snacks and cigarettes and all kinds of mm-hmm. beers and stuff like that. Virginia so, tobacco. So where Wal- what, what I would love to see Walmart do is not try to make a ton of money off of their healthcare side, but know that they could operate like a little gas station. Like you come by there to get what you have to have and you, you buy some groceries on the way out and that's how they end up making their money. I think just that'd be like, awesome. Just like Burger King giving away free coffee for their membership. It's yeah, it's bonafide genius or McDonald's selling their, all their drinks for a dollar, any size. Yeah. What does that do? It gets people in the drive through and when you're there, you're like, Oh, Oh, well, I could have a double cheeseburger with my with my large sweet tea. I'm not fat enough yet. <laughs> I think what and, hospitals should do is build grocery stores on the outside of the hospital. That way they could lower prices a little bit, but people buy groceries on the way home. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Get your appendix <laughs> taken out and your spinach on the way home. <laughs> yeah, there, you there you go. We just that's a billion dollar idea right there. That's sure like is. the pet rock. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what. Okay, so we do have some actual news to talk about. I titled this something about Rand Paul. I don't know exactly what I what I put in the title, but you said Rand Paul calls Republicans Bernie Bros. Oh yeah, he was just lighting it up yesterday because he uh, he left a meeting, a lunch that they had, where they were talking about the new stimulus plan, which we've got some details on, uh, a little bit of details on it. Although obviously nothing is finalized, they'll have to fight about it for a long time. Uh, but Rand Paul is just completely disgusted by, by what's going on right now. And and rightfully so. So this is from fakenewscnn.com. Stimulus negotiations, Republican venting session shows just how deep the GOP rifts go. So let's talk about what's actually in the proposal right now. So they've got some education funding, and this is actually where Rand Paul kind of blew his top was with the education funding, which is. Going, does he still have his hair? Is a, a, yes, he still okay. has his beard. He's still got his still beard, his fro, all kinds of stuff. Still burdened, yeah. Still, still burdened. Grandpa cuts his own hair, by the way. I read that in in his book. No wonder Trump made fun of him. That's why his hair. Uh, <laughs> Trump's got no room to make fun of hair. He, but he did remember yeah. during the debates. <laughs> So anyway, Rand Paul is upset about the education funding, which is a little bit of a difficult hill for Paul to die on because you hate the teachers, obviously. Yeah. But he's got some he's got some good points. The best it, hill for him to die on is his neighbor's hill. <laughs> God, <laughs> that's no hill is good for him to die on. No, I don't want him to all. die. I was no. just saying if he was going to Are die, you that team would, Rand Paul's neighbor. I no, I am team Charlie Rand Paul. hates Rand Paul. I was just saying, if he were to die, then it would probably be on you his can't neighbors. Walk hill. yourself back out of this one. <laughs> I'm it's a too huge late. Rand Paul fan. This is remember when I said we don't edit things. <laughs> yeah. I'm not asking you to edit. Okay, so the GOP pr- proposal includes 105 billion dollars in education funds, 70 billion for K-12, 30 billion for co- for college colleges. It says colleagues and universities. <laughs> that's an ironic word it's, to misspell. That's colleague use. Yeah. And and universities and five billion for governors to utilize on their own. Hey, why their own education? <laughs> sure. Of the seventy billion, half or thirty-five billion, in case you didn't have your calculator, would be allocated for the needs of schools reopening. 
which is for PPE, transportation, school meals, retrofitting buildings, and classrooms. Private schools, by the way, have already been setting themselves up, and they're already, a lot of them are already set up and, and ready to go. Yeah. That's why a lot of the governors, for instance, in California, are trying to uh, mandate into law that if the public schools don't open, then the private schools are not allowed to open either. Because the private schools are saying, we're ready. We've retrofitted our schools. We've got right. stuff set up. Every, everything's good to go. And I wonder why. <laughs> because why would they, they do such Because a thing? they hate competition. Right. You so. know, like my, my son goes to a, um, well, it's a private school, but he's still in daycare. That's called an early learning center. But they have, they have newborn all the way to uh, um, grade 12. And so they have implemented a system where you do have to have a mask to come in, but you can't go past the front lobby and they'll take your kid back to their classroom. You see, you would take them back to their classroom and drop them off and you could go in the classroom and all that. But now they won't even let you back past that. And they have the, you know, the plastic set up and all that stuff. They've, they've done everything they can to make parents feel safe. So where they'll still bring their kids. And so they'll still be able to collect money. How smart is that? It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's a, it's surprising that the government schools have not come up with all, this so far. All to make a profit. By the way, what Rand Paul said, this $105 billion, that's more than the yearly budget for the Department of Education already. Hmm. Already. Well, the problem with education, though, has been funding, <laughs> Nate. They're literally more than doubling the budget. <laughs> well, it's always been funding. Anyway. That's the problem. So also included direct payment checks for families and individuals, tax incentives for hiring and retaining and retaining workers, as well as for reopen businesses for PPE and retrofitting liability protections for businesses, schools, healthcare providers and workers and nonprofits, new funds for testing, vaccine efforts and healthcare providers, second round of the PPP loans for hardest hit businesses likely targeted to those with under 300 employees that can demonstrate significant revenue declines. Which a lot of subjective words and things like that. What is significant and uh, what I don't know what what all that is really going to really going to mean the hardest hit businesses and and how they've done. I don't know. So even if you did have a failing business, maybe you can still go get some money even if your business just sucks. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, well, my business used to make $500 a month and now it <clears throat> makes $250 a month. That's a 50% decline in revenue. It's a massive decline. So, my shareholders are hurting right now. So now I should be able to get that loan, yeah. right? It's I mean that sounds like a I mean, viable that, option that me. person sounds like the hardest hit i mean so the other stuff which i'm not making fun of people who only make 500 dollars in business let me make that clear because you know there's there are several people who have side businesses where an extra 500 bucks in income is a big deal so i'm not making light of that situation i was just making a point that if you had a 50 percent decline in something like that would you qualify for a loan i mean is that a significant revenue decline 50 percent sounds like that's a lot maybe they'll set a minimum revenue threshold before you can qualify. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You have uh, to lose a million dollars. So the other things they're talking about, we don't have any for sure details on, is the unemployment insurance. That The current unemployment expires on July 31st, by the way. That's $600 per week that everyone is getting right now, and it's coming up on the deadline. So Republicans all agree that they object to $600, and they also acknowledge some enhancement will be in their proposal. The structure and level 
of that remains up in the air as a menu of options has been sent to GOP offices. From what I hear, it's going to be five ninety nine. It's yeah. <laughs> From what I hear, it's going to be between two and four hundred dollars. So I think they'll settle on. Let's just keep it six. That's that's probably yeah, what they'll yeah. settle on. They're also talking about a payroll tax cut. That would be nice. Yeah. So uh, in, from the article here, it says it's tough to see how Republicans could leave the president's top priority out of their initial draft. But the issue here is cost. If the GOP wants to keep its proposal in the range of one trillion, a payroll tax cut or suspension eats into a huge chunk of that and in turn eliminates a lot of other key priorities. There are efforts to draft it in a way that essentially defers the tax to a later date. This is an accounting gimmick, but one that maybe tried to get the payroll tax into play. So maybe they're not actually going to cut the tax, but maybe they're going to make a certain part of it deferrable to a different time. I don't know. So, you know, a payroll tax cut, I'm, I'm fine with, I'm fine with that because it's a tax cut. So that's good. Now you could, uh, you could immediately say, well, we can't be cutting taxes at a time that we're also increasing spending. A lot of people will make that argument. Record. Uh, what's up? Record deficits. Rec- record record deficits. spending. Yeah. Actually, I mean, that's an argument that not calling them out, just saying that it's an argument that even Jason Stapleton has made, that it's not the tax cuts were not an overall good thing because the spending increased. And so you can you can consider that argument and and I completely understand it. But I would I would push back on that because of what I would say is at least let me have my money so that I can be prepared when inflation hits. Yeah, I mean, you know. And, and other people, not just me, I'm not trying to be selfish, at least let the people have their money where they could make a larger return for however long that's going to be until all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I just, I can't bring myself to make an argument that reducing taxation would be a bad thing. I just can't do that. Right. And there's no I, way. I realize that, I mean, the spending is the actual problem. Right. And so that that's not going to happen. And maybe one of the only things that would ever bring down this because what, because making that argument says that, that taxation is no longer immoral. Well, and what it says is as long as our spending is increasing, then we, then we can't talk about ever cutting taxes, which just means that we're just always going to continue spending more and taxing more. So you have to draw the line there. Like if you're saying we can't cut taxes because we're spending more and more, well then we'll never cut taxes. That, that it will just never happen. So I'm I'm okay with that. And and even now you'll see that it's going to be a, a pretty decent benefit because what people have talked about doing to the corporate tax rate when Biden gets into office or or whoever is that they're going to raise it back to 35%. And now what would have happened, what I would imagine is if it hadn't been lowered and then Biden got into office, well, maybe they would have raised it up to 42% or 45% mm-hmm. or something like that. So we might have actually bought ourselves some type of a compromise where long-term we've got it lower than what it would have been otherwise. you know. But also think about how many businesses is that going to hurt? It's going to hurt all the small businesses that have been you know, detrimented by the what was that? Sorry, I just made that word up. <laughs> I'm going to type it out, though, because that sounds like a very That important... have been devastated by... <laughs> Detrimental the... effects. Right. right. <laughs> They've been devastated and detristated, whatever, <laughs> by the pandemic and the shutdown. And then you're going to come in and raise taxes on them. Yeah. Like, who can afford that? Well, only your major corporations can actually afford that. They're the ones that can afford... You know, the extra lawyers and accountants to write all the stuff off. Yeah. Figure out a way to to finagle it. 
So then we got the direct payments. Direct payments are in the GOP proposal, but what they look like is still part of negotiations. Republicans have been eyeing a way to target them toward lower income individuals instead of the broader reach of the first round of checks. But there's a serious complexity issue in doing that. A major success of the first emergency relief law was the speed by which the Treasury kicked out billions of dollars in checks. So that was one of the major successes Yeah, <laughs> was how fast they were able to give away other people's money. So, so fast. And now what I will say is, on a, uh, on a, well, what is the way to describe this? Because I don't agree with doing it. But if you are going to do it, it doesn't make any sense to set uh, very low caps on it. Because if you're someone who makes $150,000 a year and you lost your job, that's no better than someone who makes 50000 a year and losing their job because you still lost your income and so did the other person. And just because you make $150,000 a year doesn't mean that you have this massive store of capital that you're gonna be able to live off of for a long time. There's a difference between income and wealth. So that I don't think that setting an income cap on it really makes any sense. You have to set a wealth cap on it, something like that, right. which I'm not in favor of, I'm just saying. Well, cause you look around, you know, I've always thought this, like I look around Nashville and I'm like, who can afford these houses? You know, are there that many people? Jeff said that, detrimated new band name called it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Old detrimated. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I've looked around Nashville. I'm like, God, who can afford these houses? You know what I mean? And I think most Americans, and when you look at the data uh, from CNN money and other things like that, it suggests that most Americans can't even afford a $400 expense, which means the guy making 150 grand a year is probably spending 150 grand a year, just like the guy making 100 grand a year is probably spending 100 grand a year. Yeah, you know, most people are not putting it back because they're like, okay, how much house can I afford? And it's not. And like then they're they're working it out as if they're always going to be making that 150 thousand dollars a year or more. Or like because they make that, it means that they've got money in the bank. You know, like show you what you drank. If you. <laughs> <laughs> If you're making 150 a year and you're spending 150 a year, it's not like if you lose your job, you can just say, well, I'll reduce my expenses down to 50 a year. You don't have a job. Just like the person who made 50 doesn't have a job. Right. So the, the, it doesn't make any logical sense to set those kind of caps on it. Well, it's, a, it's all virtue signaling for, uh, we're going to give away money, but not to the rich people. Yeah. So they got to put a cap on it somewhere. So. All right, let's get to the topic of the hour, which is uh, old Rand Paul, the guy who didn't die on his neighbor's hill. Thank God <laughs> he didn't because he is a man of genius and I support him and my allies support him. And he's a, he's a great and formidable man. Rand Paul, Mr. Rand Paul. I'm going to take that quote. <laughs> I'm going to take that quote from earlier and post it all over the place, you know. So this is coming from the fake Fox News. Rand Paul <laughs> says GOP lunch. Rand Paul says GOP lunch was like meeting with Bernie bros blasts party on spending. Yeah. The, I mean, the GOP was supposed to be full of conservatives. I thought so. Senator Rand Paul slammed Republicans, uh, Republican colleagues on Tuesday after leaving a coronavirus stimulus bill negotiating session, venting that he could have been in a meeting with Bernie bros while claiming there are no fiscal conservatives left in the Senate. There is no quote. Uh, there is quote, no difference between the Democrat Democratic and Republican parties when it comes to spending, he said, quote, I find it extraordinarily. I find it extraordinary. Sorry. I am combobulated. Extra extraordinary. I'm com I'm combobulated all over my words today. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're just compo- combobulating all over everyone right now. <laughs> I find it extraordinary. This is a quote from Rand Paul. I was just going <laughs> to... I find it extraordinary that I came from a GOP caucus meeting that could be the Bernie bros or progressive caucus. Uh, Paul said Tuesday after a GOP lunch on Capitol Hill, the debt clock in my office, we've gone up $3 trillion in the last few months and going up more is irresponsible. Paul said as Republican senators met with members of the Trump administration to discuss a package with a price tag of $1 trillion. Quote, they said that President Obama is for borrowing and spending. They're talking about spending another trillion dollars. There should be a law that they are no longer allowed to talk about the debt. We are spending money to people. uh, We are sending money to people who haven't lost their jobs. We are losing the country. There has to be a voice left for physical for fiscal conservatives. (laughs) Or physical conservatives, whatever. I mean, maybe they are physical. Who knows? Paul's comments. Paul's comments come after Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, who said. <laughs> Paul's comments come after the Treasury Secretary Steve. He said they were starting with another trillion dollars for the next coronavirus package. Vowed to spend what we need to spend on the legislation. But Paul said, while we couldn't actually block the bill, he will do everything to slow down the process, noting he'll propose an amendment, which would be a three-year pause in spending, which will definitely get voted down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, and, if, if, if no one proposes the amendment, that won't get voted on. True. So. Most Republicans will vote against this amendment, Paul said. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what we just said. There is no difference now between the two parties in spending, which is so true. They just... How fast can we spend all of the money that's there and then some? He added, they're now voting for trillions of dollars that we don't have. We don't walk over to the Federal Reserve and get money we don't have. It's an abomination and it ought to stop. An angry Paul added. Very angry. So angry. Um, And so, guys, obviously this is something we've talked about multiple times that there's really no Republican or Democratic Party. It's it's an amalgam of the two that have come into the, like this super monster, you know? And it's like, yeah, (laughs) they're at the tippy top. Just a normal monster. Right. This one's a super one. Like when you're playing a video game, it's a super bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Like you cut off its head and then seven more appear. Oh yeah. That is like the government. That is the government. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the Republicans, because in a crisis, you can't be seen as someone not willing to help regardless of what, the moral and principle argument is behind it. And heaven forbid that we actually think about alternate solutions to the problem rather than just trying to make sure we get elected into office. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much money they spend as long as they're elected in the office, because they'll be part of the government. Yeah. And so if you're part of the elite in the government, well, inflation and those types of things aren't really going to affect you because you can just vote your salary up as, as with, just write it in a little clause there that says my salary increases with inflation. There you go. And then you're fine. You don't ever have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about health care. You don't have to worry about losing your job. All you have to do is get voted in again. Actually, you can invest in stocks that you're then going to affect with regulation. Exactly. If you want to do that. And sell them when you want to. <laughs> yeah. Buy them when you want to. Now, I mean, this is crazy. I'm actually surprised with the 
with the relatively low dollar figure for the stimulus that they put up, I think they probably know that the Democrats are, you know, they're putting out a three trillion one. So guess what? We'll probably settle back on about uh, 1.5 trillion, something like that. 1.8 trillion dollars is what we're going to have to settle on. That's just kind of my guess that we're going to settle on. And at this point, heck, what does it matter? Who cares? Why don't we just make it a ten trillion dollar stimulus? If the debt doesn't make it a hundred trillion dollars, that's what that's what uh, Mark was saying last night yeah. on the show. He said, "If this doesn't matter, then why not make it a hundred trillion dollars? Give everybody a million. Like you won't make it a hundred trillion dollars because obviously you would be destroying the currency and sending us into a massive hyperinflation at that time. And so that's why you won't do that. So in saying that argument, you're admitting." that there is a point where you're going to be destroying the currency. And since there is a point where you're going to be destroying the currency, well, we need to talk about what that number actually might be. And uh, I think we're I think we're getting there, folks. I think we're going to get there. The economy needs another shot of adrenaline. <laughs> oh, that's what... Was that your Mitch McConnell? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying here. All right? <laughs> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> the economy needs... Another shot of adrenaline. Oh, man. McConnell said Tuesday, if we lose control of the virus, do we have control of it? How does one control a virus? I didn't know it was that easy. Every. Oh, my God. This is such a Mitch McConnell thing to say. If we lose control of the virus, everything else will be window dressing. (laughs) Everything else will be window dressing. (laughs) Ultimately, once the GOP agrees on their proposal, they'll have to negotiate with Democrats who seem to be aiming for a bill in line with the $3 trillion coronavirus package that was passed by the House of Representatives in May. It provides uh, expanded unemployment benefits, expanded paid sick days and family medical leave, uh, another round of $1,200 stimulus checks and grants to state and local governments. Earlier this month, President Trump told Fox Business Network that he supported another round of stimulus checks, which he signaled could be even larger amounts than the up to $1,200 per person many Americans received earlier this year. So this isn't Trump is your definitely your conservative president. Yeah, it's as a good well. thing. Good thing that we got. It's that. not like the Taj Mahal went out of business or anything. <laughs> it's I like I like what Paul is talking about here because it's something that we talk about a lot. It's the fact that Republicans <clears throat> don't care any more than Democrats do really about the debt or about spending or anything like that. Just like anyone who's in politics, except for like five people, they just want the money to be spent on the things that they want the money to be spent on. And they want to present the image that they care about that a lot while steadily increasing spending every single year. And and that's really all that matters. And what Paul said, I mean, he said a kind of a joke in there that we should pass a law saying that Republicans can't talk about the debt anymore. And that's exactly the point. Republicans are were giving Obama so much crap for the debt. They campaigned on it. Literally, we got the Tea Party movement and and you know, smaller government, all this stuff about how crazy his deficits were, and I realized we were just in an unprecedented crisis like nothing that we've ever seen before, and so we've got to do something, but still um it can get a lot worse than this. With there's been a lot of people die from the coronavirus. And uh, that's very, very bad. But the reason that we talk about these things is because poverty and the destruction of an entire currency, in fact, uh, the world reserve currency, would have much more detrimental effects than what the coronavirus has had so far. And the other question is, is like, when are we going to learn our lesson? You know, listening to uh, Peter Schiff on Joe Rogan 
the other day. That was difficult. By it was, the way. Yeah, it was difficult because he could have done a way better job. But he brought up a really good point that, you know, a lot of free market economists have brought up, which is um, we, we brought this problem on ourselves. I mean, the market was already in a bubble and inflated and the the pandemic, the coronavirus was just the big needle that kind of burst it and it didn't even deflate it all the way. And here we are trying to blow it up, so to speak. We're we're trying to blow air into it or as Jason Stapleton would say, we're giving shots of adrenaline or heroin or whatever it may be. And it's like, when are we going to learn the lesson that the same things that we've been doing over and over and over again, not preparing for a pandemic, not preparing for market downturns, not preparing for these things that we know are coming. How do we know they're coming? Well, they keep getting happening Yeah, over and over and over and over again. And so when are we ever going to learn that? Oh my God, I need a rainy day fund. People need it. The country needs it. Everyone needs States it. States need it. This I is, learned this lesson a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you should live within your means and actually just a little bit below your means and yeah. put, put back a little bit of money. I'm not saying don't ever spend anything, but when something like this happens, you want to try and have a few months worth of money to, to live off of for specifically this reason. And Because there are things that are going to be unforeseen. I mean, everybody wants to talk about an unprecedented crisis. Well, it's like, okay... So it hasn't happened, but the possibility of it happening, has it always been there? Yes. Mm-hmm. The possibility of lots of things have happening have always been there. And the thing about it is, it's like we were reading yesterday, you know, Tennessee is going to be in a $500 million budget shortfall and Florida and Texas and all of these Washington, New York, they're all going to be hundreds of millions to billions of dollars budget shortfalls. They don't have the money. And it's because everything they take <clears throat> in they find a way to spend it on something and then some. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they project their growth without adjusting for any type of downturn whatsoever. Most of your ridiculously successful companies, I mean, Apple, Apple's got a billion dollars in cash on hand. Berkshire Hathaway has like $140 billion in cash on hand. Like these people, these companies are actually prepared for this type of thing. Whereas the companies who spend everything that they that they have people who spend everything that comes in the door without trying to prioritize and set themselves up for future things that you may not see coming like oh maybe all your tires blow out or your transmission goes out or whatever normal day you break your arm or whatever it is things that you don't plan on happening to where you could have something there in the united states especially the federal government doesn't have an incentive to do that because when things do happen like this unprecedented crisis, they can just print more. And if they don't print more, they look like evil people. I was and, looking at who pays the price you do. And people have to learn also, by the way, and that's part of the problem of doing these stimulus checks as well. I mean that I realize that we're in a, we're in a weird situation here because the government has forced people to not be able to go to work and earn an income. So on some level, like right now, it's not your fault that you can't earn the money or that you're losing your job or that your income's going down because literally the government has been coming over the top of you and forcing you to not be able to make any money. And so there's arguments to be made for why there should be some retribution for that or whatever right now in this moment although I would not get behind any of them as far as an actual policy, there's a there's an argument to be made for the fact that they're stopping you from being able to make money, so they're going to have to do something about that. But the problem here is that no one ever actually learns the lesson. 
which is that you need to find a way to be prepared for some bad times. And, and we can all still do it right now. Like if you're, if you're earning some kind of income, then the number one thing you can do is if you aren't investing in some kind of way that's going to be profitable for you, if you're not, if you're not finding ways to make money off of your money, you need to be cutting your expenses like way down, whatever your income is. Literally, if you're just getting the $600 a week, pay your bills that you absolutely have to have so you don't die. And then you need to be considering what you can do to try and save up some money if you can do that. And that's tough because you don't want to do that. You know, no one really wants to get rid of their Netflix or their YouTube TV or Hulu or anything like that. But if you don't make some moves right now, then in a few months, you're going to have to get rid of it along with a whole bunch of other things. And so you might have to take in a little bit of pain for a few minutes mm -hmm. so you can try and save up some money just in case these stimulus checks are a little bit late or maybe they decrease the unemployment number that they're going to be paying out or something like that. So anyway, I was looking at companies that have the most cash on hand <clears throat> just so we could we could take a look at this. Microsoft has $136 billion on hand. Wow. Um, Berkshire Hathaway has $128 billion That's pretty close, in cash. Uh, Alphabet, which uh, owns Google, has $121 billion. Apple has $106 billion uh, cash on hand. And uh, let me see. That's, well, that's all the ones that's going to be right there. There's a lot of money. They've literally got more money than the government. They do. I mean, yeah. Already, right now. Yeah. They, they've already got more money from the government. And they got that because they provided you with things that you wanted and that you voluntarily exchanged. With and, you them. know, a lot of progressives yeah. would say, well, look at all this money they have. Of course, they could pay their workers more. Or they could do that. It's like, no, they actually can't. Because what happens is, is that these are the companies that are going to remain in times like these. Yeah, is anyone talking about Microsoft or Berkshire Hathaway or Google or Apple going out of business right now? No. No, because they've been smart. Are they furloughing or, or you know, laying off their workers? Probably laying off of some contractors right. and stuff like that, I'm sure. So. Right, but you don't see a mass sweep <laughs> of all of... Uh, in fact, um, you know, one of my clients he uh, that I work with, his wife um, works for Apple. And during the entire pandemic, she works at the Apple retail store during the entire pandemic. She was off of work. I think she was off of work for six weeks. She got full pay, full benefits, didn't have to do a thing. And now they're starting to work from home. Um, as I don't know, and in retail, what you can do working from home, but maybe answer, I guess, customer calls or something. So now she's working from home and she's never lost her job. She got full benefits, full pay, everything. And she works in an Apple retail store. Yeah, I just went, I was at the mall last week and I saw they're still closed, which kind of makes sense right now because all people do is go in there and touch things that other right. people just got done touching. So, I mean, it, there's really no reason for them to be open except for, you know, fixing your phones and it's stuff, a whatever that's called. Touching things. It, it is. It really <laughs> is. Uh, I got a really interesting email from uh, the, the New York Times. I signed up so I could get their articles and stuff like that. They just email you directly, huh? And they hit me up. They're like, hey, Nate, what do you think about this? Yeah. But no, they did. Someone put out an article talking about how maybe some of these countries in the Netherlands did it right because the most successful thing from our stimulus was actually the PPP because it actually allowed a lot of businesses to stay. They say that the PPP saved about 3 million jobs, something like that. I'm not saying it was awesome and it was successful. I'm, I'm telling you what the article said. But they went into what, say, Denmark did. 
who currently has an unemployment rate still of around 4% right now. It's been unchanged. And the reason it's unchanged is because their stimulus, their money, went into their businesses so their businesses would not fire anyone. And so th there's a lot of great arguments for that. If you are going to do some kind of stimulus, that you would purely attach it to jobs, people keeping the jobs and not becoming unemployed. Because they said now people haven't severed their ties with their businesses. The businesses haven't had to change anything at all. So they're able to keep going throughout the pandemic. They're able to keep paying all their workers. And when it is, when, when it is over and they can open everything, it's like nothing ever happened. And, and if you're going to make an argument for doing some kind of stimulus, I know that in our, in our media and in our minds, what that's called is a corporate bailout. That is what that's called. But that is exactly what some of these evil, evil socialist or amazing, perfect and beautiful socialist countries, whatever you want to call them, that are actually more capitalist than we are a lot of times. That's actually what they've Especially, been doing. Yeah, business. They're definitely way more capitalist. I don't know if Bernie would be out there saying that we should have handled our stimulus like Denmark handled, handled their stimulus. Because what happened is everyone who was employed is still employed and they're still getting paid because they gave all of their corporations money. And that is something that we would say is a corporate bailout. That's that's what that and would even be called. A lot of libertarians would hate that. Of course. Well, I mean, I don't still want still against the bailout. Yeah, what I would like is for them to not shut down the economy and the, the businesses that want to remain open and that and that can weather the storm and the people that want to go to those businesses and take a risk, well then we'll all work it out and the free market's gonna figure it out. I don't think that the way that we're doing this is the correct way to do it. I, so I don't agree. This can't go on, man. I had something in here that, uh, by the way, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about how um, we we have a positive message, but we really come in here and we just tear apart the news every single day. <laughs> but it's important. Um, for, I think we, we make fun of the news. We do because yeah. it's hilarious. It and is. It, it's, it's completely ridiculous. So I, I think that it is important whenever you are going to solve a problem that you correctly identify what the problem is. You know, the first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem and you can't admit you have a that you have a problem if you don't correctly identify what the problem is. So we're still on step one right now because there are a lot of people who will not admit what the actual problem is. They'll say, well, people are poor and what's the problem? Well, we have rich people or well, the government isn't giving enough money out to, to these people. And that's what that's the problem, you know, and that's not it. We have to correctly identify what the problems are. So we're still trying to get people through step one right now, which is why we're talking about all these problems and what some of the solutions would actually be. I only have to read two paragraphs of this because it just said something that was so hilarious in the second paragraph. So breaking news, the U.S. has secured 100 million doses of a coronavirus vaccine from Pfizer. Was Pfizer working on one? Well, so here's what they did with Pfizer. Pfizer started working on one. And what they what they did was to speed up the process. It's going through trials right now, but they've went ahead and started manufacturing it just in case it does get approved. So it's ready to go as soon as it gets approved and they don't have to then go into the manufacturing process. And so for them to do that, I think they got a little bit of government money, you know, the front them to go ahead and do that. But anyway, the United States government has secured a $2 billion deal for 100 million doses of a promising experimental coronavirus vaccine being developed by the U.S.-based pharmaceutical company Pfizer and the German company BioNTech. 
The two companies, which are producing the vaccine together, said that the doses will be provided to America if they prove safe and effective in humans. The Department of Health and Human Services confirmed that as a result of the government's purchase, the vaccines will come at no cost to Americans. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Let me read that again. D the Department of Health and Human Services confirmed that as a result of the government's purchase, the vaccines will come at no cost to Americans. <laughs> Do we even have to go into that? No. Okay. Just say that. We don't. You, we don't. Hey, make of that what you will. We don't have folks. to talk about There's, it. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to talk about it at all. It's like you. <laughs> it's just like you guys getting free shipping uh, with your Amazon Prime membership. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks man. to your purchase of Amazon Prime, there's shipping will come at no cost to you. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no cost. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. The next uh, one is. The next one's for you. I thought this was interesting. We're just going to present some information. All right. Yeah. Not saying that we're health ex experts, healthcare experts, we're healthcare uh, billing and finance experts, but not not healthcare providers or anything. But right. here's some information. This coming from the Blaze. Thanks, Glenn. Scientists say COVID nineteen temperature checks are not reliable and might do more harm than good. A report. If you've gone to the doctor or the gym or maybe even to your own place of employment, you've likely had your temperature taken. The reason we've all been told is that temperature checks are a good way to screen for COVID-19. The CDC has told businesses to check employees and doctors to check patients. You know, what's interesting is most people do that thermo scan, like the mm -hmm. laser or whatever. Those are found not to be that accurate, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like you, you really need like the most accurate temperature is a rectal temperature. That would be an interesting <laughs> way think. to enter an, an establishment. <laughs> Hello, Pan sir. Could you please bend Pan over? Pants down. <laughs> Let me lube this up for you. You'll and if you're a real dick, they won't lube it. Well, for you. what you got to do is just start having the TSA take care of the entry to restaurants and stores. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. That's the most accurate. So if we want to get real temperature data, yeah. then, uh, you know, you got to put it up your arse but uh anyway so the thermal ones really aren't that good anyway but uh so continuing on here but that whole process might be doing more, more harm than good according to a new report from popular science this must be a far right-wing science magazine. oh man what uh what are they telling us now popular science reported tuesday that scientists say that the practice of screening via temperature checks is not rooted in science the screening method was started in the early 2000s in the early 2000s the magazine noted to battle the SARS epidemic and at that point it was a fairly reliable indicator of a SARS infection but that's not true for the novel coronavirus the world is currently battling Arizona State University professor in biomedical diagnostics Mara uh, Aspinall told Popular Science temperature checks are almost useless this time around uh, Appenzoll said she also noted that data shows that less than half of the people with COVID-19 ever get a fever and that people who do show symptoms are frequently contagious before their temperature shoots up. Huh. <clears throat> How about that? Yeah. Executive vice president of Scripps Research, Eric Topol, told Popular Science, there's never been any data to show that it's prevented any transmissions of COVID-19. The temperature check is of no value. It should be abandoned. Now, I... I question I, that because I, semi it's like, I disagree with the idea behind that. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, if you do have a fever, then we definitely shouldn't let you in and go touch a bunch of stuff. It seems like you would 
by default be weeding some people out. At least some people. Maybe they're sick with other things like the regular yeah. flu or something that you also don't want to pass around. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. According to the magazine, fevers are not likely to show up at all among both the group of patients most likely to be asymptomatic spreaders, young people, and the group that is most vulnerable, the elderly and immunocompromised individuals. Really? Young folks are more likely to not show any symptoms, including fever, and the elderly just aren't healthy enough to mount a fever, the outlet said. And with flu season approaching, good luck using temperature checks to effectively screen for COVID-19. Uh, then that that goes into what I was talking about, those thermo, the forehead thermo uh, things. So with, when it's hot outside, like you could be running around um, because this has happened to my son because they're doing the forehead temperature checks as well. Like if you run around and you're sweating and it's hot outside, like 90 something degrees and you scan somebody's forehead, it's going to come back hot. Yeah. Like that's just the way it is. It doesn't mean you have a fever. Um, There's also other things like uh, Lacey's temperature runs. Obviously, your temperature is considered normal at 98.6, although there's some evidence and signs coming out that that's not what it's that may not be at the yeah the actual temperature yeah. it's just what we've accepted for a long time and so her temperature is always 96.8 her body's just a little bit less dexic apparently <laughs> but when she has a temperature of 98.6 she's got a fever because her normal body temperature is 96.8 all the time and so she feels feverish and terrible and just awful. And the only she, prescription is Nate's cowbell. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good Lord. She loves when I come a ringing. Anyway, so for, Honey, I'm home. for instance, she could actually have a fever technically and be sick and still pass the temperature check when yeah. she goes in. But what I would see from this, the point that they're kind of making is that it's a false sense of security is what I would see from it yeah, is, right. is, is the main thing because, because you're still could be letting in people that do actually have it. They just don't know it. And so if you think, well, everyone in here has had a temperature check, therefore I'm safe to do whatever I want in here because no one's sick. Well, that could actually lead to negative repercussions, all yeah. kinds of adverse, you know, effects that we're not thinking about unintended consequences from you thinking that you have some type of security when you actually don't. So that I, you know, we said the same thing about masks and stuff like that. Like if you have a mask on, therefore you think that you can do whatever you want. I mean, the other day I was at the grocery store and I went around the whole store and I had a mask on and literally I couldn't get the freaking grocery bag to open. And i looked my hand and, and, and did the thing open after I just walked around the whole store. You devil man, man, I'm still okay, but. How you, you know, maybe I might just be asymptomatic right now. Did you think about it after? Oh, immediately, <laughs> immediately. Cause I had to move my mask to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're just running around touching things yeah. and then you just take a big old lick. Oh, oh, that's why you should wash your hands. Use hand sanitizers. Yeah. Yeah. Carry, anyway. carry around a bottle if you could find any. Did you finish that article before I rudely well, you, interrupted? You, you rudely interrupted with what the end of the article actually says, okay. which is, uh, temperature checks won't help and they may hurt because such an ineffective method of screening could cause, uh, could cause, could cause lull people. I, I feel like they wrote this incorrectly. <laughs> An ineffective Just blame method it on someone else, Charlie. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to cut out the word cause and you'll see that this makes sense when I do that. Uh, an ineffective method of screening could lull people into a false sense of security. There you go. 
That's it. Yeah, they put in a word called cause here. It shouldn't have been there. Yeah, and yeah. It, it lulled you into messing up the sentence. Exactly. It was all, it was all compobulated, disconnected. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I haven't had my Wait, temperature did you finish it yet? recently. Yeah, that's it. Okay, anyway, it. here's another one for you. Now, this is just, there. here's a little public service announcement. N95 masks aren't likely to stop coronavirus, health experts say. Now, this is from fakefoxnews.com. Now, we are not saying that none of these things are ever good or don't wear a mask or anything like that. That's not what we're saying. What we want to talk about is don't give yourself a false sense of security when you might not actually have any security. Just like, uh, I don't know, the government guaranteeing your monthly income or something like that. Mm. Don't give yourself a false sense of security when there actually isn't any. So this is important. Face masks with exhalation valves instead of blocking particles that can spread COVID-19 actually allow the wearer's germs to spread. According to health experts, their ability to release large respiratory droplets in the air has some worried, including San Francisco health officer, Dr. Tomas Aragon, who even signed an order in May warning of the potential dangers of these particular masks. Now I've seen some really cool trendy masks that are just awesome that have these little vents on the outside of them that have these little filters on the outside of them. And the problem is those are made to stop things from, you know, potentially coming into your mask. They're really good for like dust or something like that. If you're sanding drywall, something like that, but they allow you to exhale uh, almost completely normally. So it's, it's, it's got what's called a one way filter on it. So it stops things from coming in, but it allows everything to go out. So in the traditional way that we've come to learn about masks is that they don't protect the wearer, they protect the other people that the wearer is around. But the masks with the filters on them don't do either one of those that because the filter is not small enough to stop the particles from coming in. And it purposefully lets everything from your mouth go out. So anyway, don't give yourself a false sense of security. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, you know, originally the N95 masks were made for healthcare workers so that when you enter into a patient's room that has an airborne disease, you're not inhaling it and you're not sick because you're at work. Yeah. And so when you breathe out, it doesn't, it's fine. But what you're trying to prevent is breathing in what the patient is breathing out. I just thought that they were invented for drywall workers. Here I, here I was feeling special and, uh, now come to find out I still wasn't special when I was doing drywall. Mm, no. So Charlie, well, I'm your mask for drywall. were not, those things were not approved. They didn't have a license for healthcare use. <laughs> I got you. They okay. were the same thing. Um, but. so go ahead and you do this next article that I am currently putting in here. I don't know if you can see me doing that, but we got to talk about this AOC identify bill that, uh, that was it, was it Jeff that was asking about it or was it Wes or was it, Someone was asking about this. Jeff, Wes. Yeah. They're all asking Paul, about it. Paul was asking us to I do it. I feel like it. we're, we're going to get flogged if we don't talk about this. We're going to get we're going to get caned in the, the square in the middle of the town yeah. if we don't talk about this today. And the so, question is, who done it? Who done it, man? And this time it's AOC, but it might not be your typical, completely insanely ridiculous thing from AOC. Hmm. Hmm. AOC to introduce bill making federal law enforcement officers identify themselves after Portland protests. A new bill from Rep. AOC from New York would require federal law enforcement officers law enforcement officers to identify themselves while on the job. 
The New York Democrat announced her intention to introduce legislation that would prohibit federal officers from enforcing the law in unmarked uniforms on Monday. If the bill becomes law, federal officers would need to have their name, the name of their agency, and their badge number visible on their uniforms. The legislation also requires the Inspector General's Office for the Department of Justice to conduct routine audits to ensure federal agents are complying. A representative for the Congresswoman told the nation uh, that the legislation had been in the works for months, but... So she saw this coming. Yeah. She she knew that the federal government was going to start kidnapping people. I mean, uh, we, you know, I probably something that Rand Paul's been talking about for a while. Right. So, I mean, maybe she read one of his books. Lawmakers hope the recent reports of unidentified officers arresting protesters in Portland and detaining them in unmarked vans will serve as a catalyst for the bill. For the past several weeks, Portland has been the scene of large protests, some of which have devolved into riots that featured looting, arson and vandalism. Federal law enforcement was sent to the city to help curb the violent unrest. Officials in Portland did not request the federal assistance, and Mayor Ted Wheeler told CNN on Sunday that he believed the protests were beginning to calm down until federal officers arrived. And honestly, that's what we heard from one of our listeners, by the way, too, that he's lived in Portland for 30 years. He was there, and at first they started out to be a little crazy, and then they kind of calmed down, and then they now they're the worst they've ever <laughs> been since the federal officers showed up. Yeah. Quote, the president has a complete misunderstanding of cause and effect. What's happening here is we have dozens, if not hundreds of federal troops descending upon our city. And what they're doing is they are sharply escalating the situation. Their presence here is actually leading to more violence and more vandalism, and it's not helping the situation at all. They're not wanted here. We have asked them. We haven't asked them here. In fact, we want them to leave. Wheeler said so. Again, we discussed the Portland thing yesterday and the day before, I believe. So mm -hmm. if you didn't hear that discussion, please go back and listen. You can't. By the way, I just want to make it known. This is not a show you can listen to just one episode of and then no. derive, you know, derive thoughts about it. You have to go back and listen to several episodes because we talk about similar things and how they all point to liberty. And we talk about those things on several times. And it's very difficult when you do a show every single day to try to clarify every point when you've been talking about something for the last like three weeks. Really, this should be thought of as a 295 chapter book that you need yeah. to start listening to. And so listening today, well, a lot of things that we talk about, we've been building on for quite some time. And, uh, I, you know, we can't clarify every single statement, every single episode all the time because we're dealing with so much insane crap. Every yes. single day. So it's, it's very stressful. So go back and listen to what we talked about with, you know, with Portland. We talked about the user uh, user, one of our listeners that emailed us about the situation from <laughs> on the ground inside of Portland. You know, and this live group is saying, you know, that, like, <laughs> you know, AOC is she's not completely useless. Sometimes, you know, a blind squirrel floats in a boat every now and then you a dead a, a broken <laughs> clock is right once half past September, April, June. You know, right. <laughs> exactly. As the old Vietnamese proverb goes, you do the math on it. Yeah. So no, this is something that I can actually, I mean, we just had, this AOC. goes along with the no knock raids, by the way, too, that police should have to announce themselves always. It yeah. goes right along with us wanting uh, the police to act as if, as the fire service does. Like yeah. when we need you, we'll call. You don't have to be out patrolling. Like you're not just going to go in your plain clothes and break into someone's house and go, I'm a firefighter. Like, that's <laughs> right. not. 
it's not going to work. Right, right. You know, <laughs> you need to have some kind of identification probably. Exactly. At least a helmet or right. something like that, which I've got some at home back at my dad's if you want some when he back when he was fire chief. So your and, dad's done just about everything there is pretty, to do. And how do you think I got my name? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, but we just had AOC introduce a bill that would reduce the power of the federal government or reduce their ability to exert force on people. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I, I don't understand. I feel like maybe we're in some type of weird I don't know, upside vortex. down world right now. This we're in a, a, we're in a polar vortex right now. We're spinning around. Yeah. Help this me, Jewish crazy. God. <laughs> Help me, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and we need Tom Cruise who uses witchcraft to get this to get AOC back on track. <laughs> AOC, we need dumb stuff from you. Come well, on. She's using her, her um obviously using her economics degree for this. Yeah. yeah. Which by the way, did you hear that one of the uh, other congressmen uh when he had an exchange with her yesterday as he walked off, he goes, I'll, I'll bleep myself out or I'll, I'll edit. And he says F and B when he oh. walks off. And now this is just being he they're calling for apologies on the House floor to AOC <laughs> because he made a sexist comment. Yeah. For calling her an F and B and which I could get into plenty of arguments about right now. Well, he's doing it just because she's a woman. Only because she's a woman. And actually, that is what uh, someone came out and said. Who was it? Was it like Ayanna Presley or something like that coming out and saying, oh, I haven't heard him say that to Mr. Such and Such before. Well, maybe that guy's not as much of an F and B as she is. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. Yeah. That he just doesn't suck. No, I mean, but that's, you know, maybe that's not warranted. Is it true? Uh, I don't know. Maybe when you go around calling people who earn an income murderers because they're earning a good living or because they're producing really good value for society. Maybe when you walk around talking about how those people are literally killing people and then you further a mentality that has led to the deaths of over 100 million people and you continue to poison the minds of all the people in the United States with your Twitter, well, maybe at some point in time you deserve to get called a name. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have to take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I an F&B? Is that possible? And so, anyway, I don't think that that's a nice thing to call someone. I don't think it's a sexist comment because, listen, I've had, I'll tell you about a conversation I've had several times. I've gotten in some arguments before, and let's just say I'm not known for being overall the nicest person or the easiest person to argue with in the world. You don't really raise your voice. I know I don't. No. Actually, I talk louder on this podcast than I do when I'm in a heated argument. Much louder on the podcast than I do them. I always stay very calm, and I make insanely rational arguments that cannot <laughs> be argued against. You use a calm, dark. Ominous, no, condescending tone. Exactly. And as you guys can tell, I would not be the easiest person to have a, a, a disagreement with. And so I've been called just before, just say like a, a, a dick. Say I've been called, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, not a, not a prick, like, a prick. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I'll edit. I'll put an explicit tag. A prick, a dick. You, you can say any whatever, those. Yeah, any you of those. Put whatever letters in front of yeah. what other, other le- letters you want to. Yeah. Or I've been called, um, and, an ass before or something like that because I was 
potentially and, being an ass. And you've been called a hole too. I have. I was just saying ass because you can say that and it's not yeah. technically um, cursing according well, to the FCC. you say FCC, that so. and I'll say hole. Yeah, exactly. And so now it's separated. It's, I don't know. It's discombobulated. So I've been called those things before. And I, I said, hey, now one time I slipped up and I said, you're, you're being a B right now. And you know how that goes. You know how that goes. Who'd you say that to? I can't say. Ooh. I can't say. I'm inferring something and it's not a good picture. It's okay. Everything's, yeah. everything is great, but you got, you know, sometimes you get into an argument and, and it escalates and you end up saying mean things. And so I'll say something like, uh, you're being a, you're, you're being a total B right now. And, uh, she'll be like, I can't believe you called me a B. And of course my response is, I didn't say that you're a B. I said, you're being a B right <laughs> now. That's what you're doing. And, and it'd be, listen, when you call a, a girl, the B word, it's, you can literally, you can see or the, C the temperature. If you had a thermo temperature scanner yeah. on the girl. You can watch the temperature spike. You don't even need it on her, just in the room. In the room. Just it spikes. Take up. a thermometer out when you're your, in the room. Your tail goes between your legs, you go hide in the corner. <laughs> right. And that's what happens. And so I made the the point one time, which has been conceded. <laughs> 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 that hey, you you call me a dick all the time. Right. Like you're telling me you can call me a dick or you can call me an ass, but I can't call I can't call you a bee. This is not fair. Right. In fact, this is it's completely this is, sexist. This is sexism right now. Right. Like you get to call me these crazy names, but if I say one name, it's the end of the world. I said, you stop calling me a D and I'll stop pointing out and you're being a B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stop pointing it out. And uh I've had that same conversation, by the way. And after that yeah. point was conceded, I went ahead and proposed and everything's been fine since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's but what it, you're waiting eight it, years for. It's good to get things out of the way. <laughs> we were good. We were together for eight years before we got married. So there are no, there are no surprises. Yeah. Uh, everything has been worked out uh, completely. And it, it's all smooth sailing right now. It's, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So anyway. Besides the kitchen renovations. Let me know how. <laughs> let me know how. Now, I've never said someone mentioned the C word in there. And I've never, ever, I've ever, never, ever said that i would never call someone a communist <laughs> never yeah <laughs> there's no way that i would do that i would never say that in front of my mother <laughs> but you guys uh send me an email and tell me whether or not uh You'd i be... was right so i can show it to my wife <laughs> <laughs> whether or not nate's a prick <laughs> yeah well i know the answer to that yeah all right i'm gonna throw That's... in a wrench that we don't have in the show notes okay. for you so uh someone sent this to us on instagram let me give a shout out here this is from uh, v hermos um, and, and I think a new listener. Yeah. He just started listening to a show. Great mm -hmm. stuff. And he thought he would share some local drama. Um, now I don't know exactly where this is, but uh, it is in a Latino community. I do know that. And there was this, uh, seems to be a white woman who started a business, a small business a little while ago. It's called, and of course, this is definitely a white woman business. It's called peachy vegan ice cream. I thought you were going to say it was called Karen's R Us or something no, like that. No, it's no. it's peachy vegan ice cream, which is a fine business to start nowadays. You just yeah. make some vegan peach ice cream or whatever. But uh, she started this business and she was selling uh, paletas and ice cream uh, on a cart around the community. This is, you know, low cost 
and everything like that. Well, she was completely lambasted and completely destroyed, destroyed for starting this business and pushing around a cart. And how dare this white woman sell paetas? Mm. Because that she is just culturally appropriating. So she made this this Instagram uh, apology, and it says, uh, "Peachy hears community concerns." She says, "I'm surprised and saddened by all the negativity that has developed over trying to sell ice cream from a push cart and start a small business. From a truly positive place in my heart, I had no intentions of offending, appropriating, or insulting anyone." nor did I mean to take away from or in, or encroach on existing paetas. I understand how treasured paetas are in the community as both real direct sources of income for individuals and families, as well as a cherished cultural tradition. Push carts are part of many ethnic cultures all over the world. I am listening and hear the community feelings towards this. We will no longer be using the cart. Good Lord. Gentrification is an important subject. And it hurts to be accused of being part of the problem as my intentions in starting a business in this area have been to make healthy, organic food accessible and affordable to everyone. In spite of raising prices driven by gentrification, it's odd and terrible to read false reviews from people who've never tried anything from peachy. Besides the food, it has been an, uh, an intention for the brand and the physical space to be a platform to uplift support and benefit others as well through events, meetings, workshops, artist showcases, etc., I am and will continue to be open to hearing from residents of the community, how we can improve and engage. I have lived and worked in Logan square for over 15 years, and I am grateful to be part of this community. I am just one person trying to start a business on almost nothing. I do not have deep pockets or a corporation back of me. I just have a passion to create something good, and I'm committed to having a positive impact on our community and the greater beyond. And then, so you're like, okay, well, you, you know, falsely believed that somehow by you starting a small business that you were, you know, going in on that. But, but then you look at the comments and the comments are filled with people saying, basically, uh, you don't understand Latin culture and therefore you're not allowed to do what you're doing. What a fake apology. Go screw yourself. White ignorance lives to steal culture and halfway apologize when caught like all of this stuff. And it's like, and I responded to the person like, this is just the snake eating it. It's, it's eating its tail. Mm -hmm. This is the exact problem we see with this. Well, you can't do that because that's part of our culture. Now, what, what about when the Democrats all put on the African garb and took a knee? <laughs> yeah. Is that not cultural appropriation? I just don't understand. And this person was just trying to start a small business. Now, I don't think vegan ice cream is really going to scale to her liking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but it's it, possible. But it might. You know, if you can convince people that veganism is the way to go and if you want your sweet treats as well. Someday she'll say, and, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said normal ice cream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I just thought that that was an interesting, you know, wrench to throw it's on the show. It's kind of a sad story. It is. Why did you make me so depressed before we end the show? Uh, well, I'm going to cheer you up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Keep going. That's all I have for today, folks. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's, that's uh, the, I mean, we're like an hour and... 25 minutes on that's this Facebook the right now. <laughs> ending depressing show. That is, listen, <laughs> on a positive note, um, it we know for sure it does not pay to apologize whatsoever. It really, it really mm. doesn't. Mm -mm. Uh, especially 
if you're not wrong and you 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 thought things out before you did something i mean this you don't get paid to apologize in today's society look at like drew well, Brees. Look how much you think that, drew look- Brees is gonna is gonna get any love from anyone because he apologized for his statements that he made because it came out in support of the american flag do you think now everything's gonna be okay right you know you think it's gonna work out for 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 chicks by him apologizing he admitted guilt that he yeah. did something wrong yeah See, that's the problem. If you do apologize for something that you didn't do wrong, well, then you're admitting guilt that you did something wrong, which there by default, now the person has evidence or people have evidence against you that you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. If you didn't do anything wrong, you should not apologize. No. Rule number 842 should be higher on the list. Yes. But in the book, in the Geneva Convention, it's down there at 842 on the on the list of rules that you shouldn't do things for. Right, right before not using tear gas. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right before that. Right before it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you shouldn't because apologizing for something that you're not sorry for is lying. That's yeah. That's what that is. That's actually yeah. It's so that's not any better. And then honestly, what you should do then is apologize because you just lied. So if you don't think you did anything wrong, you can apologize that people in the community were hurt in some kind of way because that was not your intention. But you should not apologize because you were uh, using a cart going around town selling things. Right. It's, it's insane. It's completely insane. Especially when you like appreciate the culture. Like, am I not allowed to make tacos? Yeah. Because then that's cultural. That's cultural appropriation. I've gone to 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 plenty of restaurants that were not Asian owned that had egg rolls on on their menu, which I guess were made in California to start with. So that's a bad example. <laughs> but um, you know, they had pizzas, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all kinds yeah. of stuff. And you they know? weren't Italian. It that's doesn't for make sure. it doesn't make any sense. Like there, there's I don't know. Well, this white person is stealing from the culture and stealing money that the Latin people could have made had they started the business. You realize that we're going and then they they can't start the business because she already started it. It's I got like, you. well, why don't you just start something and compete with her? I mean, Put what, her out of business if your paetas are way better. I bet you can buy tacos at Walmart more than likely. You What's know? a paeta anyway? I know how to say it, and I've heard of them before. That's like fried ice cream. I, Is that right? Take a look at it. I always got I'm those on my up. birthday. You know, and, which you did. Are, which is which is uh, honestly pretty good, pretty good stuff. But um, while Charlie is no, going to give just, us, uh, it's a frozen treat made from fresh natural fruits, such as strawberry and mango, or made from rich creamy ingredients, such as chocolate uh, and Sicilian pistachio. But why does she stop using the cart? I don't know. To go around town. Yeah. Like, Seems how, like she's putting the cart before the horse. How are we <laughs> How are we going into such a backwards culture to, to where now... I mean, can you imagine a well, world... Well, is it because of the Mexican street carts or I don't whatever? Know, but can you imagine a world where instead this lady a few months ago had tweeted, I'm not going to use a cart. Only Mexicans use carts. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Can you imagine? <laughs> that's a good, that's, that's insane. very good. <laughs> There's no they, way. She'd be hated for that. <laughs> like this I ordered, is, you know, and they use carts in Peru too. I ordered, <laughs> uh, you know, some Corazon, which is heart, beef heart. It's delicious, by oh, the way. Oh God, yeah. that sounds disgusting. It was so good. It's tender and juicy. I've had tongue before. No, the heart's way better. The tongue was good. Was it? Yeah, the heart's it's actually pretty good. I've never had tongue, but the heart's better. <laughs> <laughs> Someday when the old, when the whole world, by the way, this is connected to a vegan conversation. Right. Uh, when the whole world switches to being That's vegan. That's the problem. She's not selling me. A <laughs> hundred years from now, they'll be talking about what bar- barbarians we are 
for joking around about eating heart and tongue, by the way. <laughs> You're right. So anyway, guys, if you are interested in day trading, go to mastermystonks.com. That's mastermystonks.com. Or you can go to mastermytrades.com if you're offended by the word stonks. I don't know. <laughs> go to mastermytrades.com. If you are interested in We don't in have any carts on that site. No, no. And it's, it's okay. <laughs> oh, dang it. You add things to your cart sometimes. <laughs> anyway, we'll figure this out. Basket, maybe? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Well, that could be offensive. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Anyway, so if you are interested in day trading, I've been saying every single day how, oh, we were trading this one stock that was up 250%. It's actually true every single day. I'm, I'm not talking about the same stock every day. Literally every single day, there's something that's up two to 300%. That's just just really how it is. And sometimes- you can go look at the tickers. Yeah, they'll go from nothing to being up 300% within the span of a few minutes. And so every single morning we go over what trades we are planning out for the day, what price points we are interested in these certain stocks. And you can use that information in whatever way you see fit. So we go live every single morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. And uh, actually starting here soon, as soon as I get rid of this, uh, what turned out to be a terrible computer, we'll actually be going live throughout the day as well for some times. Just listen, um, learn the strategies before you blindly follow anything that we say we're gonna be doing and realize that the risk is is yours as well. You know, that's it's not gonna do you, if I, if I lose money and you lose money, it's, it's, it's not still okay for you just because it also, you know, the price point wasn't good for me either. You need to know why you're trading the position. You need to know why you're going to get in, why you're going to get out, or you'll be you'll be behind. You'll be late, and that's not good. It's not and a good thing. If you're, you know, if you have never started before at all, the best thing about our classes, I believe, is that it, it's from the very basics in the beginning. Yeah, and uh, you're not going to find a better value out there than what we offer. I promise you that. So, mm. Mm. master my trades, master my stonks. Go there. dot com. Either one of those at the dot com address, and you can get there, my man. You can do it. Oh, one more thing. Also, go to goodmorningliberty.us slash mask. Yes, that's or, right. I almost forgot. So slash mask, or is it masks? I think it's mask. just mask. I would have remembered having to add that S at mm. the end because that was tough for me just then. Yeah. I would have never done that. So anyway, goodmorningliberty.us slash mask and get your very own. Get in on that pre-order. We've actually had uh, more orders than I expected. We're going to be fulfilling that pre-order pretty soon. So uh, get in on the pre-order for your very own Make Taxation Theft Again face mask. So you can go to goodmorningliberty.us slash mask for that. And then you got to check out the Patreon. Basically, all that money I was telling you guys to save up, I found something for it. Here it is. It's all these websites right here that we're telling you at, <laughs> at this point yeah, in time. Right. <laughs> exactly. These are the only expenses that you can't cut out. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as Nate said, join the live group. Guys, we have so much ridiculous fun in here. Lots of joking around. Uh, people, I'm on a first name basis now with a lot of these people in this group, and you want to be on that first name basis. So uh, all, of, <laughs> all of the money that we receive from Patreon goes directly into growing the show. And uh, obviously the show is free for all of y'all that want to listen to it and want to keep listening to it for free. And we appreciate all of our listeners. But um, those of you that want to help support the show, help grow the movement, put your gall darn money where your mouth is. If you truly believe in the movement, then please send us at least $5 a month so we can keep spreading the message. We do uh, run advertisements. Those cost money. We, uh, you know, we have, 
Facebook ads that we run, those cost money. We have all uh, of, eight different Facebook ads going right, right now. So all of that costs money out of our pockets, and we're just hoping that you find enough value that you can give us a little bit of that money back so we can keep growing the movement, keep adding people that believe in liberty, and that gives me hope, and that should give you hope as well. So please, um, I, I believe in being charitable, and especially things that are valuable. You know, if you if you give money monthly to something you believe in, uh, then you sleep easy at night. So you're, they say you're putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you're literally putting your money where your mouth is. So if you truly believe, because I believe actions are way more than I mean, I'm definitely a words person. Yeah. But actions like it's people can say what they believe. But what do you actually act out like? Because that's what you actually believe. Like Antifa. Right. Like Antifa. <laughs> right. You can say you're anti-fascist. You can say you're anti-death. But what do you actually act out? You know, are you acting appropriately to what you say you believe? Uh, all that to say, I'm being kind of preachy here, but you know what? We're looking at becoming a religious organization anyway. So, <laughs> so I believe please, in liberty. <laughs> please, the donation cups are going around. <laughs> to, God, to put some money in there while Nate sings us a song. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Good Morning Liberty. And then share the show with a friend. Leave us that rating and review. If y'all do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and your good morning, Liberty. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing.